This season of preparation for Easter, we call reawakening, right? It's a chance to wake up, to say, Jesus doesn't change, but our sense of his reality can change. He didn't go anywhere over the past year, but maybe my sense of his nearness changed. He's awake, but maybe my sense of my relationship with him, of who he is, of who I am because of him, maybe that's gotten a little fuzzy-headed and foggy. And it's good to take some time. We have five weeks before Easter to take some time to wake up because there are moments when the dreams of our heart seem more appealing than the reality of Jesus in a moment we're going to read some verses from Romans chapter 6 they'll talk about baptism and what it means to be baptized into Christ but the whole reason the apostle Paul was talking about that was because the people he was writing to found this dream of their heart more appealing than the real Jesus And the dream they were finding so appealing was this sense that, hey, if Jesus is gracious to sinners, then can't we just keep on living however we please? Because if it's good for him to be gracious to people who do wrong things, the more wrong things we do, the more opportunity he has to be gracious. And Paul is going, wake up! (laughs) That's not who he really is. You haven't really understood him yet. Wake up. So over the next five weeks, we want to wake up and come back to a clear sense of our connection to Jesus, who he is, and who we are because of him. Let's listen to the first four verses. This is Romans chapter 6. What shall we say then? Are we to continue in sin so that grace may abound? By no means. How can we who died to sin still live in it? Do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We were buried, therefore, with him by baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in newness of life. Let me pray for us. Lord, give power to your words tonight so that they would go straight to our hearts and transform us. Amen. Well, as any prankster knows, one great way to wake somebody up is to splash water on them. Baptism is when Jesus splashed water on us. We often think of baptism as a time when human beings do something. You know, we are uh, coming to dedicate ourselves to Christ. Or as parents, you might have a child baptized. We're dedicating this child to Christ. That's part of what's going on in baptism. It's something we're doing. But Jesus is doing something through baptism as well. He's splashing water on us. Why? We'll talk about that in a minute. Pranksters know that you wake people up by splashing water on them. Pastors know you can wake people up 
by remembering this moment when Jesus marks us out with the water of baptism. As Luke reminded us, um, this is something the church has known for 2,000 years. That uh, there's a connection between renewal and remembering what happened in baptism. Now, if you haven't been baptized, tonight's not a good time for you to remember your baptism. You can't remember something that didn't happen yet. It's an invitation, right? So it's an invitation either to remember what happened to you when you were baptized previously or to come and be baptized if you never have been. Now, we won't do that tonight. We want to have long conversations about the meaning of baptism before you go through baptism, but let me know. Let Steve know. He's going to lead us in the Lord's Supper later. Let Luke know. Talk to us. We'd love, uh, love for you to receive the invitation of Jesus to be baptized in his name. Right now, we want to focus on the fact that we're baptized into Christ and into his death. Let me read verse 3 again and notice how the Apostle Paul, he's trying to argue something. He's trying to argue, no, you can't just go on living however you please because God is gracious. But to argue that case, he assumes something that everyone uh, will take for granted. He assumes that all the Christians he's talking to have been baptized and he assumes that they know that when they were baptized, they were baptized into Christ. He doesn't even stop to explain it. He doesn't have to. He's already taught them about it, right? Listen again. How can we who died to sin still live in it? Now, that's the part he's having to make a case for. He's having to convince them that that's true. But then he says, do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? It's like, guys, this is stuff you already know. If you're a believer in Jesus, you get baptized. You know that. And if you were baptized, you were baptized into Christ. You know that. Okay, well, what does that mean? Well, I put it this way. It, it's about association. It's about identification. It's about connection. Maybe the best way to explain it is to listen to what Paul says in another one of his letters, 1 Corinthians chapter 10. He says that all of the Israelites who left Egypt during the Exodus, you remember this story, they're slaves in Egypt. And um, Pharaoh says, I'm not going to let you go, stay here. We got plenty of gods. You don't need to go somewhere else to worship a new god. We got all the gods you need right here in Egypt. Right? We'll feed you. You know, the trade-off is slavery, but we'll take care of you right here. And Paul says that, that God raised up Moses to lead his people out of Egypt, out of slavery. And he says that when they passed through the water of the Red Sea, they were baptized into Moses. What does it mean that they were baptized into Moses? It means that God was marking them out as people who had been pledged to be his very own. That, that baptism is God marking out a people and saying, you are pledged to me. And therefore, Pharaoh can't have you. 
He says he owns you. He says you are slaves to him. That's not right. You have been baptized into Moses. Now, Jesus comes along later and leads a greater deliverance than Moses did. And we are baptized into Christ. And Paul says you can't separate one part of Jesus from the rest of him. So if you are baptized into Christ, then you are certainly baptized into his death. You can't separate what Jesus did by dying to set us free from all the powers that had claims over us. You can't separate his death from who he is. So if you've been baptized, you've been baptized into Christ. And if you've been baptized into Christ, you've been baptized into his death. And why does that matter? Well, it means you're also baptized out of some things. If you were baptized into Moses, you were baptized out of Pharaoh. If you were baptized into freedom from Egypt and slavery, you were baptized out of the claims that those taskmasters had over you. And that's exactly the logic that the Apostle Paul uses here talking about our baptism. He says, you died to sin. How can we who died to sin still live in it? If you were baptized into Christ, you were baptized into his death, and you were baptized out of all the claims that rebellion against God has on your heart. Does that mean if I'm baptized, I will never, ever do anything wrong again? No, you may do wrong, but not because you have to. Not because you have no choice in it. Not because evil owns you. Not because sin is your master. When Christ died, all those claims were broken. You were baptized into Christ, into his death, and out of slavery to sin and evil and selfishness. Now, what else does that mean for us? Ah, that's part two of tonight's sermon. We're going to stop here and take that up in a few moments. Right now we're going to sing a song to thank God for what Jesus did for us when he died. And when he died, we died along with him. We were baptized into his death. Not every day you get to tell angels what to do, is it? That's what we just did. We told the heavenly host, all the angels in heaven, to praise God. Not because we think we're worthy to boss angels around, but because we think God is worth being worshipped, even by angels. Well, we didn't finish the story yet, did we? You can't be separated from Christ's death. If you're baptized into Christ, you're baptized into his death. But his story didn't end with his death. We're baptized also into Christ's resurrection. Remember the way the Apostle Paul spoke about that to these people he loved so much, Christians in the city of Rome. He said, all of us who've been baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death. And then he said... 
we were buried with him by baptism into death so that in the same way that Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in newness of life. We're baptized into Christ. If you have been baptized, you have been so closely joined to Christ that when he died, you died. And when he came to life again, you came to life again. It's like the Israelites who were baptized into Moses, Paul says in 1 Corinthians 10. When Moses left Egypt, Israel left Egypt. And Paul says, you know who else left Egypt? He says, our fathers. And he's writing to Gentiles, people who didn't have a drop of Jewish blood in them. He's saying, we're so closely joined to the people of God that, that when they left Egypt, so did we. And he's using that same kind of thought here in Romans to say, when, when Christ died, so did we. And when God raised him from the dead, something powerful happened to us as well. That powerful thing won't be finished until we too are raised from the dead. If you keep reading in the book of Romans, you get to chapter 8, and it talks about the fact that one day Christ will return. He will deliver the whole earth from curse. We were talking about that earlier, weren't we, brother? Amen. Amen. The whole world is under a curse, and that's going to be reversed. And, and death is going to be destroyed, and all of God's people are going to be resurrected. So in the same way that Jesus right now has a body that is so whole and full of health and life that nothing can again injure him or make him sick, a body that healthy, we are joined to him. We will experience that kind of resurrection. And when you get joined to that kind of power, it has a, an impact right now. Now, right now, mm, I don't feel all that resurrection power in my body. Right now, my body isn't that healthy. I can be hurt. I can get sick. I can die. But already, something has started to happen in my life and the life of everybody who's put their trust in Christ. We have a new kind of life, spiritually, that we can begin now to say, I don't have to live the way I did before. Well, that's true of somebody at the first moment they come to faith in Christ. I remember when I was 16, I had never factored Jesus into my life before, and now suddenly I'm like, everything's different. He's at the center of everything now. It never felt like this before. This is something new and different. So when you first come to faith in Christ, that newness begins. But in this season of reawakening, a newness can begin even if you've been a Christian for a long time. If you've been asleep a bit over the past year, you don't have to stay that way. Why? You're joined to the resurrection life of Christ. The same power and glory that brought him from the grave can wake you and me up so that if we've been kind of spiritually sleepy for a while, we don't have to stay that way. Here's one way that that truth has impacted me recently. Um, <clears throat> some of you know that 
I was in a cycling accident last fall. And um, trucks win and cyclists lose. And so I've, I've uh, been working on an injured shoulder for quite a while. Um, the physical therapists reached the point where they're like, we are done with you. We can't help you anymore. I was kind of disappointed to hear that actually because I'm like, the pain is not done with me. <laughs> um, there's still some things wrong up there. There's, you know, it still hurts a lot. And certain things are just really uncomfortable. They still feel really strange. I was hoping that six months in, we've made more progress. But they were like, no, we're done with you. So I went back to see my doctor. And um, I'm sitting on the exam table waiting for him to come in. I'm just feeling pretty discouraged. Like, I don't really want to go through life with my shoulder making all these cracking and popping noises every time I brush my teeth or tie my shoe or put a jacket on. I don't do I really have to live with that forever? Um, every time I do certain exercises, it feels like the bones are grinding against each other. I don't really like that feeling. Do I have to feel that forever? Or do you just have to resign myself to some of the things I like doing I can't do anymore? No, I don't like that either. So I'm, I was just pretty discouraged with it all. And I'm sitting on the exam table my blood pressure's already been taken. One round of people have left the room. I'm waiting for the next round of people to come back in. And um, sending some texts with a group of guys that we, we do Bible study together uh, each week and, and trying to encourage them. And I'm sitting there thinking to myself, wait a minute, everything I'm saying to them is true about me right now in this kind of season of discouragement. And this sense of, this, this heightened awareness of being broken. And maybe not getting better on this side of glory. Or at least not as better as I want to be. And I started thinking, well, you know, if you're a Christian, you're baptized into Christ's death. It's not strange if hardship comes into your life. If you have been baptized into someone who was crucified. It isn't that bizarre that we'd have to walk through seasons of discouragement, pain, doubt, depression, sadness, grief, sorrow, because we walk with a crucified Savior. And then I got to the next thought. You know what? I'm also united to Christ in his resurrection. And I started to think, it's not just in some abstract way, but this shoulder is united to the resurrection body of Jesus. Which means that one day, it will work perfectly again. Amen. That may not happen on this side of glory, but this very shoulder, not some abstract idea of a shoulder, not some replacement shoulder that Jesus will fabricate for me. This one is joined to him. Now, we're talking today about baptism. Another conversation about the Lord's Supper would be when we, when we take these signs of the body and blood of Christ, we are 
kind of putting another down payment on the connection between our bodies and the resurrection body of Jesus. Why does that matter? Being united to Christ in his resurrection and glory means that discouragement is not the last word. Sorrow is not the last word. Pain and grief are not the last words in our story. Sin is not the last word. Being spiritually drowsy and losing our connection with Christ, that's not the last word of the story. Whatever the hard part of the story is doesn't have to be the next part of the story because we are united to Christ in his death and in his resurrection. Not united to um, despair. Now I've kind of made all the progress I'm going to make spiritually and I'm just going to mail it in for the rest of my life. No. United to Christ. We've been baptized out of that and into Christ. And so sitting on the exam table, I'm, I'm trying to encourage these other guys and talk to them about what it means to be in union with Christ. And I'm realizing, oh, all of this is true for everyone who trusts Jesus. It's true for me. If this is your faith, it's true for you. How do I know? The Apostle Paul says, here's how we know. Here's how we know that we are united to Christ in his death and his resurrection. Right here. Don't you know that when we were baptized, we were baptized into Christ? We were baptized into his death and his resurrection. And you might say, it's hard for me to remember that every day. Jesus never forgets it. He remembers every day that he has marked you out as one who is pledged to his Father. And he will make good on that promise when he comes again and the newness of life that has begun in you now will be completed because we will share in the resurrection glory of Christ himself.